then cut. Hi. You purposefully wait until I hit record to start coughing. <laughs> you know, I yes, coughed so, it all, and then I hit not record. Not that. I'm so sorry. Should record. I got to cough now. Hi. I'm sorry. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Good. I'm glad that your voice finally matches up to your mouth. It makes me happy. We had some tech issues, guys. It's been a it's been a evening. First thing this morning, my coffee tasted like popcorn. Did you switch coffee? I did. I did regular coffee, like no flavored coffee, just like regular coffee. Uh-huh. But I used hazelnut and French vanilla creamer, like mixed. Mm-hmm. And it tasted like coffee. And you mean popcorn? that's how my day started. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the coffee tasted like coffee. Oh no. Um, yeah, it tasted like popcorn. Well, hazelnut creamer is gross anyway. I blame well, the hazelnut creamer. And you know, it didn't even taste, that's a lie, because it, it didn't even taste like popcorn. It tasted like popcorn jelly belly, which kind of tastes like popcorn. This story sort of makes sense, and it also sort of doesn't, so we're going to move on. <laughs> this began at 5.30 this morning, so yeah. Hi! You've been thinking about all day, how can I describe the taver, the fla- the taver of my coffee? That's a combination of taste and flavor. Yeah, taver. I get the it. The taver of my coffee. Anyways... Okay. You thought you were mad about popcorn flavored coffee? Wait till you hear this case. Yeah. There's so much to be yeah. mad about with this one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get going. Hey guys, I'm Kelly. And I'm Ashley. And welcome to a day with murder. our case today is from January 24th, 2002. On January 24th, 2002, around 10.50 p.m., Terry Thompson made a phone call from a payphone to his friend Janice Williams. He told her he had stopped by her home a few minutes prior and knocked, but he had gotten no response. Janice said she had dozed off and told him to come back by. Her 13-year-old son, and I saw in some places that he was 12, so he was 12 or 13, um, who had a hearing problem, Antoine Morris, who was known as Twan, was upstairs in Janice's home asleep. Terry arrived at the house and he and Janice went down to the basement to smoke weed. A little while later, Janice went upstairs to get a drink. According to Terry, everything was fine until he heard scuffling and gunshots. Terry said he tried to call the police from the house phone, but the line was dead. He was able to get out of the house into a neighbor's house and at around 2 a.m., Terry made the call to police reporting a break-in and gunshots. When the police arrived, Janice was found at the bottom of the basement stairs, lying face up in a pool of blood. She was wearing jeans, a pajama top, and socks. Janice had been shot just above her left eye, shot three times in the right leg, and once in her right arm. She had also been stabbed twice in the face. She was only 36 years old. She was only 36. She was a year older than us. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Just chilling at her house. I am her. Right? Yeah. Just hanging out, smoking weed. And this is basically all the information we have about Janice. Oh, th- this is I, the information we have about any of it. Well, it, I'll get into it a little bit later, but part of okay, I'll get into why that makes me so mad later. A- another reason this makes me so mad, but yeah, that's we don't know much about Janice, and that part is already heartbreaking and infuriating that that happened to Janice in her own home. It's not over. There's more. So buckle up, guys. This is this is a rough one. Um, and is it Vidal or Vidale? I don't know. I couldn't find how couldn't to find record anything. Right. V- Vidale, maybe. I don't know. Guys, this person that we're fixing to talk about, we are not, we could not find any kind of recorded interview, no kind of um, 
news story, like a video news story about it. So we're going to do our best with the pronunciation of certain names. It may be wrong, but we are doing our best. Police had to awaken the sleeping Tuan and tell him that his mother had been hurt. He immediately began crying and asking if she was okay and if he could see her. I know. That breaks my heart. Like, he's just sleeping. And he's just a kid. 12 or 13 years old. He's a kid. When he's saying, like, he, like, fell asleep in his mom's bed and watching a movie with her, like, (sighs) okay. Around 3.30 a.m., the police took a statement from Tuan. He said that they had spent the night at home. They had watched a movie in her bedroom, and he had fallen asleep. Oh, like, that's something he's that still me and, such a kid. I know. That's something me and Riley do. You know? It's so... It that's just, something it's, I would still do with my mom. It's really... It's so sad. He's such a baby. Oh, God. Okay. They then asked him if he knew of anyone that would want to hurt his mom. He pointed to the house next door that belonged to George Hudgens. George and Janice were married for around a year from 1997 to 1998 and had one daughter together. I'm going to say Jazan. Okay. It's it's J-A-Z-Z-A-N-E. We're going to say Jazan. We hope that's correct. Jazan, if you're listening, feel free to correct us. Tuan's reasoning was, quote, because he thought my mom was going to have full custody of my sister. Tuan told police about how they had fought before and George was, quote, telling her that he would kill her, shoot her and blow up the house, things like that. George even had a camera pointed to Janice's house, but it apparently wasn't working the night of the 24th. What a coincidence. When asked why George would have the camera, Tuan said, quote, because he wanted something for court to keep an eye on my mama, like when my mama had people over. Marquita, Janice's 18-year-old daughter, was called and told to come to the house. She was asked who would want to hurt her mother, and she mentioned George, too. But she also mentioned her mother's most recent ex-boyfriend, Jasper Holloman. Marquita said Janice and Jasper, quote, got into a fight about a month ago. They fought at the doorway. He hit her. My mom told me this. When I came over, he kept calling her. I even talked to him on the phone and he was real nasty, calling her all kinds of whores and bitches. Janice's niece, Stefania Jackson, who implicated Jasper, saying that Janice told her that about four months prior, Jasper had choked and slapped Janice. Poor Janice. So, Right? She's poor, been through some stuff, man. And she's got three children and just uh, poor Janice. Okay, so, so far we have the ex-husband who for some reason lives right next door and has a camera pointed right at her house. Uh-huh. Who, so far everyone has implicated and said that he's treated her like trash and has threatened her. And then we also have people implicating her ex-boyfriend, Jasper, who was violent with her. Okay. They both seem like good suspects, right? And Terry. Oh, and Terry, who was in the home when it happened. Good suspects. All good suspects. No. Both Jasper and George were questioned the day of the murder, but they were released. George denied any involvement. He did admit that he owned three guns, including a 9mm rifle. But after testing, it was determined it was not the murder weapon. Guys, I have this pep in my voice because I'm really, really, really mad. (laughs) Like, I'm not joyful. I'm mad. (laughs) That's her sarcastic happiness. Yes. I'm very, very upset. His alibi, George's alibi, was that he was with his other ex-wife that night, which oh, we, okay. we don't even know if that was corroborated by the ex-wife. We don't know. We don't know. Have no clue. Have no clue. According to Janice's lawyer, who she was using during the custody battle with George, Donald Mbama, who was Janice's lawyer, uh, Janice said she wanted to sue for full custody for their daughter. Now, Janice was killed just days before the next appointment with her lawyer, and the lawyer wasn't sure if George knew of Janice's plans. But based on what Tuan said, where he said that 
George was threatening him because he was afraid that she was going to get full custody. I think that he did. Right. So there's there's motive. He had guns. He had a camera pointing at her house. He was mad at her. Means motive and opportunity. He had all three. Yeah. And then I also wonder if, y'all, there's a lot of information missing. Let me just go through it. Let me just go through it before I start asking questions. Okay. Okay. So that's George. So Jasper, who was the ex-boyfriend, claimed that he was home in bed the night she was killed. He admitted he had talked to Janice a couple of days prior. And that was it. That's all the information we have about Jasper. Yep. Terry was interviewed that night as well. Now, Terry was the guy who was in the house that night that made the, the phone call to the police. So there's some confusion onto what actually happened. There's reports that a written statement was obtained that night, but it was lost. So Terry was asked to come in again on February 25th, 2002 to give a statement. So this that we're about to say, this is what Terry Thompson said on February 25th. So a month after the murder, this is his account of what happened that night. He said they were in the basement smoking when Janice went upstairs to get a drink. Quote, at first things were quiet. Then I heard Janice say, get out. Then I heard scuffling. Then I heard Janice say, no, not him. At that point, I thought Janice was trying to keep them off me. Then he said he heard a male voice either say, Twan, give me the knife or give me the knife, Twan. Then Terry gave a description of a fair skinned male wearing a dark coat and a skull cap. During the 911 call, none of that was ever mentioned. He was giving a polygraph test, which he failed, which polygraph tests are crap, but still. Still. There was a gunshot residue test done on his car, which came back positive for gunshot residue. Like, hang on, because that's not like a common, that's not a common thing. I would assume that it's not. Car. But like, again, we don't really know anything about Terry. Like we don't, we don't know, know maybe, anybody. Maybe he was a maybe he was a hunter in his free time, so there was just gunshot residue in his car all the time. Sure. We don't know. There is so little information on this case. <sighs> Years later, Detective Derek Thomas was asked why Terry was so quickly dismissed as a subject. He said, "Quote: He passed a polygraph test and a gunpowder residue test, but when." Detective Thomas was shown the reports that showed that Terry had failed both tests. Detective Thomas said, quote, I'm not going to jeopardize my job and family. I'm not going to step out of bounds and jeopardize that. I wouldn't make up a confession on anybody. There was no pressure in this case. I do what the law says. I wouldn't send anyone innocent to jail. I wouldn't want it to happen to me. In case you guys don't see where this is going, they're going to send someone innocent to jail. And he says there was no pressure in this case. There was no pressure on this case. They didn't care it to begin with. Like, he says it plain and simple right there. It's just, this is just, and then that, that response right there, I'm not going to jeopardize my job and family. What, what are you talking about? Right? <sighs> All right, keep going. Let's get everybody up to date on what's going on here. With this new information, Twan was brought in for a polygraph test, but ended up get, giving a, quote, willing confession to investigator Andrew Sims before the test began. After questioning him for 11 hours over the course of two days. So like we've said, there's been a lot, there was very hard to find information on this case. So I went through and just Googled each individual name that I found that came up with this case. Andrew Sims has a lot of, his name comes up a lot on appeals in the Detroit yeah. area for things like involuntary confessions, coerced confessions, like a bunch of shady yep. nonsense like that. So that's not good. And then I also wonder why this wasn't recorded right because yeah because well to be fair video recording wasn't really like the first state that made it a law to like that you had to video record interviews was uh illinois and that happened in 2003 but 
And uh, Michigan didn't start it until like 2012 or 13, I think. But this is a kid, a 12 or 13 year old kid. Right. Question about a murder. Well, and then I was going to say, then his father's not even there either. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and say that. So most most of the time he was being questioned, his father was not in the room because he kept being asked to leave. Like, how you can't do that, right? You're not supposed to be able to do that. No, you're not supposed to be able to do that for a, a minor child, a lawyer or a parent. I want somebody to try this with me and my kid. <laughs> be like, OK, I'm leaving the room and she's coming with me. Bye. Because this is what happened with Brendan Dassey. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, you can't. This is what happened with Jesse Miss Kelly in the West Memphis Three. They're kids. They don't know their rights. They don't know the rules. They have adults telling them what they're supposed to say. According to his statement, his 18-year-old friend Vidal McDowell killed Janice. Tuan said the night before, Janice grounded him for being out late with Vidal. The night of the murder, Vidal came over to pick up some CDs, but he and Janice got into it. Tuan said, quote, then they started fighting in the kitchen. Then Vidal pulled the gun from his hip and shot at her. Then he shot her again and she found down the steps to the basement. I was just standing there. A minute and a half later, he came back. He came in through the rear sun porch. Then I heard banging on the rear door. I walked back there and that's when I heard the glass break. Then Vidal came in my room and knocked over the fish tank. Then he left. I went upstairs and tried to play it off like I was asleep. Twan said Vidal shot her twice, but she had six bullet wounds. Twan immediately recanted his confession, but both him and Vidal were arrested and charged with murder. During the pretrial hearing, Twan said that he falsely confessed because he was scared of going to jail and that Detective Derek Thomas told him that he would be, quote, somebody's girlfriend if he went to prison. He is a child. You cannot tell what you can't do this. Apparently you can. It's just like the confession doesn't even make sense. It not none of it. And there's because so much saying stuff. We're going to go into it a little bit more later. The actual facts, but it doesn't even cover what happened in the house. This is just I swear. All right. In April 2003, on the first day of trial, Tuan was offered a deal allowing him to plead no contest to being an accessory after the fact for a sentence of probation and his immediate release from custody. In return, Tuan would not have to testify against Vidal. At first, Tuan turned it down on advice from his lawyer and his father, but the prosecutor recommended the judge appoint him a guardian and the guardian talked him into it. So with that, so the prosecution, that is not the prosecution's place, just with that, Tuan's confession was read out loud to the jury during Vidal's trial, and there was never a mention of his recantation. I have a question. Okay. So the guardian ad litem. So that's, I hear that a lot. And I know that that's like the, uh, they use the phrase voice of the child or, or mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. But in this instance, why would he need one if he has a lawyer? Like, don't lawyers speak on your behalf? I feel like a lawyer should. And then also you have an adult, like a parent who's there. But, you know, to be fair, parents don't, you know, they don't have, they don't know law and stuff. Yeah, they might not know law and stuff. I'm not sure why if he had a lawyer. He would, that's what I'm saying. I don't, unless it was a court appointed attorney and they were like, well, he shouldn't have an attorney. He should have the guardian instead. That's the, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how any of this happened. So Tuan's confession was read during Vidal's 
trial to the jury. There was never a mention of his recantation. And then also during Vidal's trial, someone testified that Thomas's statement on February 25th was taken on the night of the murder and that it was accidentally misstated. So they think that that report where he said that he heard somebody talking to Tuan that night, it was said that night when really it was said a month later. So they, whoever said right, that, and I couldn't find who said that. There's no information on who said that during the trial. They perjured themselves on the stand. And, but if that's the case, why wouldn't they have arrested Tuan that night? I don't, it, none of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. In the end, on April 22nd, 2003, Vidal McDowell was found guilty of second degree murder. And he was sentenced, 18 year old, he was sentenced to life in prison. Luckily, in March of 2004, the United States Supreme Court ruled that, quote, written statements to police by co-defendants were not admissible in court because they deprived the defendant of his constitutional right to confront and cross-examine the witness. So with that, after requesting a new trial in June of 2004, Vidal's conviction was overturned by the Michigan Court of Appeals. And then, so then everybody knows when your conviction is overturned, the state has the option to either retry to appeal or to just drop charges. Two weeks later, the prosecutors dismissed the charges against him. And on June 18th, 2004, Vidal was released from prison because they had no because evidence. Because he should have been there to begin with. They had nothing on him except for Tuan's coerced confession. Yep. He filed a wrongful conviction lawsuit against the city of Detroit and was granted $1.5 million in a settlement. Taxpayer money. Not enough money. No, it's not. And it's taxpayer money. The trial costs, you know, the taxpayer's money. <sighs> That's why I'll put that other um, quote down there. Okay, so Vidal's attorney, Jeffrey Taylor, said, quote, I'm so pleased for Vidal and his family. Now he has the opportunity to resurrect his life. This is about getting his reputation back and his life back and a beginning a new chapter in his life. It's a great relief for him. So in 2004, in order to settle a dispute over his mother's life insurance money being split between her three kids, Tuan was asked to take a polygraph test. According to the polygraph expert and the results of the test, Tuan was being honest when he said he didn't kill his mother and he didn't know who did it. If you remember in the, he gave his quote, voluntary confession before they did the polygraph on him. And I know polygraph, you know, it's, it's junk. It's kind of junk. But this poor kid, these poor kids, both of them really were kids. The good thing is, yeah. I guess the silver lining is that Vidal was only in prison for less than a year. And normally these things take, you know, hello, Adnan takes decades to overturn. But still, he yeah, shouldn't have been in there the at same, all. Right. At the same time, like. You're going, you're being let back out into the world. You're not even 20. You've been to prison. And like, you, he's been through a lot. And, and to add even more sadness on top of it, we know nothing about Janice. Her murderer is still out there. She, she this case is not solved. So the author of one of these articles that we have put in there, um, said quote what's no relief is seeing the cash strapped city have to relinquish that kind of coin for a case that was clearly mishandled by cops and prosecutors who were more concerned with getting a conviction than seeing justice served also it shouldn't help the people of detroit to sleep any easier knowing that if mcdowell wasn't the one who murdered williams 
then the real killer is still roaming free. Stephen Drizzen, a law professor and attorney who works at the Center of Wrongful Convictions at Northwestern University School of Law, said, quote, a confession is the single most damning evidence in court because jurists have great difficulty understanding why anyone would ever confess to a crime they didn't commit. They often confess simply to bring an end to one of the most stressful and terrifying experience they have ever been subject subjected to. And if you throw into the mix a promise expressed or implied that they would get a chance to go home, obtaining com a confession is easy as pie. You know who Stephen Drizzen is, right? I don't. He's Brendan Dassey's lawyer. Oh, is he? Mm -hmm. This makes me happy. So then, yeah, like it's the same thing. You take a kid into a room and I don't care if they're in that room. I, I, I think of my kid, my strong willed, hard headed kid. If you locked her into a room by herself with adults and they kept telling her a story, she would believe the story and she would repeat it as fact. She just would. Sure. Kids are malleable. And then when you have Tuan who's had some kind of hearing loss situation that they didn't really even discuss, like the police were like, you had to have woken up during the, the shooting. Like you had to have heard the gunshot. There's no way you could have slept through it. He had a hearing disorder. He couldn't right. hear it. Right. <sighs> All right. So the actual facts of the crime. So, and I have questions. So the police were called to Janice's murder scene at around two o'clock for a break in and a shooting that had been reported. The back door of the house appeared to be kicked in. So whoever came in was not let into the house. The back porch window screen was slashed and the window was open. A single edge razor blade was found nearby. I wonder if it was fingerprinted. Probably not. I highly doubt it. A door between the back porch and a bedroom had three impact marks as if hit with a hammer. And the fish tank in the bedroom was knocked over. When reading this, I was trying to, because I was even looking for like a layout of her house uh -huh. to like figure out what happened. Mm -hmm. And of course... We don't have that either. Right. Yeah. No, I don't. So I don't know where any of these rooms or anything are in correlation. Yeah, it makes other. no. Yeah, it's it's hard without context. But it appears somebody was really trying hard to get into the house. House. Yes. In the kitchen, there was a potted plant that had been knocked over. And on a toaster oven and an ashtray, there was a half smoked jo joint with lipstick prints. I guess we're to assume that's Janice's. Again, we don't know if they did any kind of DNA testing or anything. Right. Or if Janice was wearing lipstick. We, we don't know. Who, who knows? <sighs> Spent 9 millimeter shell casings and a couple of unfired rounds were found on the kitchen floor and on the basement landing. A bullet strike mark was located under a kitchen counter and a bullet was found inside the utensil drawer. Because, and then in Tuan's thing, she was already, they were downstairs into the basement before he shot her, right? Isn't that what his confession said? No, no, no. He said that she fell down the basement stairs after he shot her, after Vidal shot her. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Which I also have questions about. Okay, anyways. A bullet impacted the door jam on the basement landing. A steak knife and a bloody boot smudges were Hold on, on the kitchen. the landing, the landing, is that the top or the bottom? The bottom. Okay. No. So the the top. The I think it's the bottom. Oh, no, I don't know. Hold on. The landing on the <laughs> stairs. It's like that part on the top step that's the step but a floor oh apparently Oops. it could be either one what? oh no okay oh god <laughs> yeah it's a place oh, for no, users okay. to yes to rest while climbing a flight of stairs so really like the third step when i gotta stop, sit down and take a break <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> Whew, that was a lot i gotta sit Whew. give me a minute okay anyways Hi. okay 
A steak knife and a bloody boot smudges were found on the um, kitchen floor. A blood smear on the basement stairwell wall. A bladeless steak knife handle was found on the stairs. And the blade of the knife was under Janice's right leg. In the basement, uh, there was a 9mm bullet casing on the floor. There appeared to be a bullet impact mark on the basement wall, but no bullet found. Again, there's no context to this. You know, we don't know if it happened. It was like the bottom of the stairs or like in the base. You know what I mean? Sure. Because that would change based on the angle, like where the shot came from. Right. It does. It just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. After photographing the house and collecting evidence, the family was allowed to go back into the house and the family was in and out. Several days after they were allowed back in the house, Janice's niece found another spent shell casing and they turned it over right. to the Right, right. Like, so obviously they did not, they didn't investigate. They didn't look. You know what I mean? They said it was staged. Why should they look? It was staged. It makes me so, this just disregard for this woman's life. Like I said, when the detective Derek Thomas saying that, that there was no pressure on this case. None. Like, no, they didn't care. Pressure on any murder case. They didn't care. And it's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, for over a year, police didn't test the fingernail clippings that were taken from Janice. They didn't find any hair or skin under her fingernails, but they did find blood. The forensic chemist who did the testing said the testing to determine whose blood it could have been was not completed. Before he was scheduled. So what was he? It wasn't completed before he was right. scheduled to testify. So what did he testify about? And I and the test that's a little bit of important. And the tests still haven't been done. Well, they did the same but, thing for Adnan. They didn't. They had all kinds of DNA and stuff that they tested against Adnan. It wasn't Adnan's. They were like, well, it wasn't his, but we're going to go with it anyway. But in this one, they didn't even test it. And he still had to test. Like, what was he testifying about? He's testifying that he didn't do anything. Like, I don't understand... All right, if so, if the testing couldn't be done, couldn't be completed in time, why wouldn't they push it back? Like, I feel like something like that, like finding blood on a victim. Mm -hmm. um, It wasn't hers. Their nails. Right. May be a little bit important. Yeah. So why wouldn't you want to have to, like, get that done before you try and try somebody for murder? And if there was blood under her fingernails, she scratched someone. Right. There's no mention of any kind of, I just, this case was so mishandled. They did not care about Janice's life. They didn't care. And it makes me so mad. All right. So then another thing was they found two boot prints behind the house that did not match Vidal. But there was one print that partially matched Twan's, maybe because he lived there. Right? (laughs) Like, surprise. My my footprints are in my house, I bet. You know what I I bet I have hair that belongs to me in my house. (laughs) yes even though he didn't mention going outside during either confession okay (laughs) i live here why would i exactly Uh, at some point i was in the backyard yeah some point the entire time i've lived here i was in my backyard yes yes all right got it so detective sims who was the guy the the polygraph guy who's been brought up in a bunch of um appeals cases he testified that antoine told him he had loaned mcdowell his boots so he could go outside and cut the phone wire Although there was no explanation for why McDowell needed the boots. In addition, McDowell wore size 10 shoe and Antoine wore an eight and a half. There's and also I'm not great at math, but you can't. It doesn't work that way. Well, you can shove it in there without like putting your foot all the way in. I, I guess you could do that with men's boots. I don't know. But like there's also no mention of that happening in the confession. Right. 
It's like Sims was just like, oh, we have this weird piece of evidence. I'm going to throw this in here, too. And then and then here's my question. How big was this basement? Because Terry testified that he was in the basement. She got shot and fell down the basement stairs. Yes. And he because I didn't put this in here, but he had to he said he had to step over her to get out of the house. Yeah, but like. Did they not see him down there? Did he uh, not see who it was? I'm so confused by his story. There was something about, I was really confused. Something about, um, I want to say it was like a hot water heater or something mm-hmm. that was kind of like blocking. So he didn't see anything, but he heard it. Okay. I mean, and, it still didn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And then him going, to the, na- what, him going to the neighbor's house. What neighbor's house did he go to? Because George was the neighbor. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I guess she had a neighbor on the other side, but there's no mention of that neighbor hearing the gun. Like, I'm so confused about this story. No, like, yeah. Nobody heard anything else. Nothing. We don't know anything about anybody. Did they talk to the neighbor? Like, I, this, it makes me so mad because Janice's life deserves to be honored. She, she, she deserve, they deserve to know who murdered her and the, there deserves to be justice. And it makes me so mad because this 18-year-old kid was locked up for no reason. Ugh, it makes and me mad. Three, three kids lost their mother. It's just, it makes me so mad. And then the city, the taxpayers had to pay, you know, at least right. $1.5 yeah. In compensation to this kid. And then it's just... Just because they didn't do their job correctly. And then you think of that and think of all the people who this has happened to. And the, really, the only reason this one, this case got looked at again, the only reason really Vidal is out is because the reporter Ann Mullen, who wrote for the Metro Times, wrote an article about all the inconsistencies. And that's the only reason really it was looked at again. So think of all the people who this stuff has happened to and they're still locked up. Because it happens all the time. There have and been... you can't even... Go ahead. But there's just no information about any of it. And I just don't. I don't think they're working on it anymore. They were just like, we arrested one person. And I don't care if it was wrong. We did it. Leave us alone. All right, you guys. So we just had a little bit of a tech issue. And we had to stop recording. And this is like two days later. So surprise. Surprise. We're back. So we were done with the case. But I did want to give just a few little stats on um, wrongful convictions and then exonerations. All right, so since 1989, there have been 3,361 exonerations with more than 28,770 years lost to people who are in prison that should not have been in prison. That's, and that's just the ones that have been exonerated. Yeah. And of those, 1,911 were convicted due to official misconduct, which means wrongdoing on the police or on the, the prosecutors. police department. Okay. Yeah. And that led to 19,791 years that were lost, which this one to me was wrongdoing on the police department. A hundred percent it was. Not all of them are. Some, and I'm sure like, I do feel like sometimes it's just the police who are like, I think this is probably, this is the person who did it. There's not evidence, but I'm almost sure it did it. Like, I feel like a lot of times it's police like fabricating evidence to get the person they think is guilty. Does that make sense? Like, I don't feel like they're like, ah, this is, who cares? I don't really care. I just want to arrest somebody. Do you know what I mean? You think that they actually do think that it's that person. But they don't have the evidence to back it up. Okay. Not always. Sometimes police are just... I I mean, mean, that doesn't... I'm not going to say that makes it better, but it's... Well, and, you know... Different, I guess. I just... I don't... It doesn't... It is different. It's still wrong. It's garbage. You know, it's just... I... It makes me so sad. Because then the crime becomes not just about the victim, but then there's new victims that 
are victimized because of the the system and it's just it's not fair and then the the original victim like in this case janice is just lost yes because like we said we had no information about her or anything it's just and it's really really sad it's really hard i feel like these cases are really really hard but they also need to be talked about i think these are the ones i need to be talked about the most me too well it started well right (laughs) (laughs) oh okay oh okay all right hi hi uh can i get a happy ending though you may we have lots of birthdays today (laughs) yes Okay, so our birthday's for January 24th. On, in 1970, Matthew Lillard was born, and he's the guy, you know <gasps> who Scream, that is? From yes, Scream, yes. Scooby-Doo. And he was, sh- yeah, Shaggy. Shaggy? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was his, it's his birthday today, so happy birthday. Happy birthday. And then in 1974, Ed Helms was born, and he played Andy in The Office, and he's been on much other stuff, but he was Andy okay. in The Office. <laughs> okay, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> and then in 1982, Duffy Diggs was born, Lafayette. Jefferson. Oh, what did you? I couldn't hear what you said. I'm sorry. It was. It was. My voice was too excited. <laughs> David Diggs. Oh, he was. Who? Which one was he? He was the one with the hair. They all had hair. Lafayette Jefferson, really except for George hair. Washington. Yes, Lafayette okay. Jefferson. Lafayette. Yes. Happy he's birthday. So, he's so talented too. Happy birthday. <laughs> okay. And then this one, you don't know who this is, but I love him. In 1984, Justin Baldoni was born, and he was the guy who played the main dude in um, Jane the Virgin. He's so cute. Never seen it. I know you haven't, but he was super hot. And then this one, he's also super hot, and you probably don't know who he is. So then also in 1988, <laughs> Reggae John Page was born, and he played um, the Duke in the first season of Bridgerton. Never Literally, it. I know you didn't, but he was really the only reason I watched it, because he's so hot. <laughs> oh my god he's so hot like he was on some kind of car commercial and i saw he came up with my and i was watching it with my mom and he came up and mom's like who is that he is hot i was like isn't he <laughs> super fine he's super fine and it is birthday today too so happy birthday happy birthday okay so our events today january 24th in 1984 apple computer incorporated unveiled its revolutionary macintosh personal computer 1984 it, it was huge <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was a big old fella yeah but i didn't realize it came out that early i don't think i think i thought it was in the 90s yeah that's why i was surprised you said 84 right 84 yeah i would have thought like 94 but it said 84 maybe it wasn't released until later but like they showed what it was going to be i don't know but it was big how much did it cost i don't know oh like i said it was just unveiled it wasn't officially released to the public oh oh Hold on. It was $666. Oh, that's creepy. Well, they did that for a reason because he liked the repeating digits. I was trying to figure out how much money that is today and I can't figure it out. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. And then in 1989, Ted Bundy was executed in Florida. Oh, yeah. Bye. All right. So then in 2011, <laughs> Adele released <gasps> 21. Yes. Ugh. She's yes. so good. Everything about her is good. Just yes. <laughs> Just yes. My answer is yes, Adele. Yes, please. Her yes, question please. is, will you leave me alone? <laughs> yes. No. Wait. No. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. So then in 2018, former U.S. Olympic team doctor Larry Nasser was found guilty of molesting over 150 girls. Sentenced up, sentenced up to 175 years in prison. They, is he the guy from the documentary um, Athlete A? Yep. Yeah. They all knew what he was doing. They were like, we don't care. We want to win. That is insane. Yep. 
But he's in prison now, being somebody's bitch. Ha ha. Hooray. And those are our events for today. So, who caught your eye this week? So now, my love for New Girl is... Schmitzy. Fa- well, yeah, of course, obviously, because I want them to have a baby. So bad. But Winston has become... Is my, it? I knew you would love him. Like, this girl broke up with him, and he just has a phone in his hand in the bathroom, and he's just like... <laughs> just, like, the whole time. And, like, I just resonate with that so much. Like, just his... And he thought he played the greatest trick because he put a blueberry in his, his cereal bowl. His are the best. Oh, prank and, Sinatra. Yeah, and the the bird feather and the and Cece's mom's shoe and I thought it was hilarious. Oh, he's so cute. He's the best. I'm yeah, that's so in love so with good. him now. It is. Oh my god, it's so good. Okay, who caught your eye? No one really. I played. I've been playing Mass Effect this week. So whoever worked Still? on that game, yes, it's a it's like a series. Anybody who ever worked on that game, you caught my eye. Great job, great job, people who created Mass Effect. It's a Bioware game, and I've I've played Dragon Age, which is by the same company, and I never played Mass Effect because I'm not good at shooters. I'm terrible at shooters, but I put this one on like super easy, and so I love it. <laughs> It's like unbear like the the fights are embarrassingly easy, but the storyline is good and it's really fun. So I love it anyway. I'm really happy for you. It's Thank been a you. long time since you've been this excited about something. A video game, especially. I never have time to play him, but I'm like, here, Riley, here, Riley, have a screen. I'm playing my video game. Mama's gonna play your video game. I gotta save the galaxy. <laughs> They're counting on me. <laughs> okay, Mama. You're the only one in the world right now that can do that. Okay, got it. Nailed it. Earth is under attack. I gotta save everyone. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, I got to go because <laughs> oh, we're under attack. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, thank you. Love you. Miss okay. you. Bye. So that was our case from January 24th, 2002. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at A Date With Murder and on Facebook at A Date With Pod. Bye. Oh, love okay. you, miss you, bye. Love you, miss you, bye. <laughs> Did you Very say fire? <laughs> I know. Is that what you said? I don't think so. I might have on accident. I'm pretty sure that's what you said with fire. <laughs> I didn't mean to. There's no fire, guys. Calm down. I was just kidding. Sorry. Uh. Okay. 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 Amen. Amen. Let me miss you. Bye. Amen. Let me miss you. Bye. This was chaos. All right. <laughs> hugs and kisses. High fives and handshakes. No. Hugs and kisses. Waves and, and finger guns. All right, you guys. So our case today, what do I say? Is from what? Is from? Yeah. Okay. I was want. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I wanted to say happened on, but that's okay. All right, you guys. So our okay. case today. I'm sorry. I don't know what just happened. I broke for a minute. <laughs> buffering, buffering. The internet's working, and now my brain's whatnot. What is happening to you right now? Are I've you been up okay? Since like midnight for the past two days, and now I'm like, I'm so tired. Why? My video game. I can't turn it off. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm obsessed. Hold on. No. Erase. <laughs> delete. 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 <laughs> a little while later. A little while. What? Ah. A lit. I'm sorry. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> a little while later, are you gonna laugh? Hold on, I'll wait for you to be done. I'm sorry. It's okay. I was. I really was kind of trying to wait because I figured it was coming. 
I can make like two mistakes and then the third one you're like, this is hilarious. I have to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a math to it? I had mm-hmm. no idea.